0: amen favorite segue of the year so far we have a pretty great pastor don't we (laughs) had nothing to do with what they were talking about but hey i I think you can always i mean that's a great one so if you're ever wondering you're in the middle of a conversation it's going weird for you just just go there okay we have a pretty great pastor don't we and it'll just go well from then on out okay if tonight okay never mind all right i'm gonna stop there i'm gonna stop there uh, I'm excited that you're here today, that the weather didn't scare you away. Uh, we do kind of find ourselves right in between and betwixt today. Um, we, we are, I had every intention of three weeks ago beginning our focus on our vision and our values at Praise Assembly. Um, but then along with that, we just felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us to take this time for, for 28 days during February of 28 days of prayer. And fasting, and and Pastor Nathan mentioned earlier already that as a part of that, that we've got just a ton of people at Praise who have signed up in order to be a part of that. Somewhere around, at this point, probably 90-95% of the church has said, I'm going to be a part of this, okay? So that is is the church, which means that we are praying and fasting together as a church. Um, And I'm excited for that. I believe God's going to do some really incredible things um, as a result of that. And, and what we didn't recognize is how much that goes hand in hand with what we feel like the Lord is leading us into this year and the vision and values of this church. Um, what I love about the power of, and the direction of the Holy Spirit is that when the Holy Spirit calls us to something, we don't always see how it all works together, right? You don't get to see necessarily everything laid out in front of you from the beginning, but... As you faithfully step into what he's called you to do, a lot of times all of a sudden you go, okay, now I see what you were doing there. In fact, I would say more often than not, that's the case, right? And that was the case for us as we were, we sensed and we believed that the Holy Spirit was calling us to to a time of prayer and fasting, which is something we had never necessarily done before. Um, At the same time that we stepped into that, he was also speaking and doing something in alignment with what we see as the bedrock of our vision and our values here at Praise Assembly. And so even on Friday, we started, we shifted our prayer focus as a church as part of those daily devotions you're receiving. And if you're not receiving them yet, and you want to get signed up in order to receive those daily devotions, along with that, the prayer focus that the rest of the church is praying for, all you need to do is text the word pray to 417 815 7161. You can do that at any point, and you'll receive back what those prayer focuses are going to be, and then also kind of the pattern that we're setting up for this time of prayer. And actually, you know what? Just let me quickly say something, because I really felt like, even just during worship, I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me to say something, that maybe there's somebody in here who, who for the very first time, stepped out and started doing fasting and prayer. And, And maybe this last week, as part of that one day a week, maybe you failed. Maybe you did really great, and then you drove by McDonald's or something, and you were doing really, really good, and then, and then maybe somehow you just got off track. Man, can you just d- pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and try again? Can you do that? Like, just go back at it this week. Don't let that knock you back. Jump back in, all right? Get back into it, because I believe God's going to do not only cool things here at Praise Assembly, and is doing cool things here at Praise Assembly, but I am looking forward to hearing the good results of what God does in your life right? I'm looking forward to hearing good reports from those things. So just, just jump back in and, and don't, don't condemn yourself. Just, just move forward, okay? Um, but as part of that, like Friday, as part of those devotions, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've shifted focus. And if you were receiving those and you were just like, oh, okay, we're praying for something else now, and you maybe just breezed right by it, or if maybe you prayed a really quick prayer, I want to encourage you to go back and actually pay attention to what we're praying for for these seven days. Because we're three days in now to praying for a deeper, greater hunger and thirst for the Lord at Praise Assembly. And you've still got four days left of praying for that and seeking the Lord for that. And I would encourage you to take this time, really focus in, and to seek that for, for this church but also for you. you. Because I believe this is central to what God wants to do in this church. And let me just give you a little bit of a background on what I'm talking about. Last year, I knew all along that 2019 was going to be a big year for this church. And we'll get into some of the reasons why next week. But as part of that, I started praying last year for just clear vision and direction for these next few years for the, from the Holy Spirit. And as I began to pray for this church in that, the Lord began to do something in me. And over this last year, God has been working in my life in really incredible ways. And what I love about that is I am convinced of the fact that the reason why he's doing something in me is in preparation for what he wants to do in this church. And I think the reason why he wants to do it in this church is in preparation for what he wants to do in this community. Right, We talked about this just a few weeks ago. The things that God does, he does from the inside out. Right, So he starts here and then it moves outward. I think the best things always move outwards. And I believe that that's what God is doing. And so as part of that, this last year, I really just began to see from the Lord that he was calling me to a deeper satisfaction in him. And if you've been a part of our Wednesday night service at all, and our Bible study, you know about this already. This isn't new information to you. You've got a leg up on everybody else who's here this morning. Um, But God has really been speaking to me for, for seeking and finding deeper satisfaction in him. And so we did this big study in the fall just called Satisfied. And I noticed in my own life that I was finding deeper satisfaction in him. And I believe that that's what God wants to do, not just in me, but in this church. Because if we don't have that, how are we going to share that with others, right? And so if you would, grab your Bibles today, because I want to walk through this. And this kind of ties in with our 28 days of prayer and fasting and what we're praying and fasting for right now. And what I believe is foundational bedrock stuff for this church, that we find our hunger, we point our hunger and our thirst towards the Lord and Pastor Nathan mentioned Matthew 5 6 which is our verse that was on that devotion for this morning if you read it Um, excellent excellent kind of focus for us to make sure that we're hungering and thirsting after him great quote this morning from C.S. Lewis this morning I mean just just incredible stuff that I believe God is bringing together and some of the stuff you're going to hear me say today you may not know it but it's going to be pulling together threads from this last year. And so if you're like, oh, I've heard that recently. There's a reason why. Because God has been doing something in me. And it's been coming out in our Sunday services or in our Wednesday night. And that we're just pulling together a lot of those threads today and saying, here's what I believe God wants to do in this church. Here's what I think he wants to do in this community. So grab your Bibles. And uh, we're going to be jumping around a lot today because there's a lot of verses that are all over the Bible. But in spite of that, they all say And speak to the same thing. So grab your Bibles. Once you have them, we're going to turn to one of the core verses for understanding humanity and the human experience in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 10. If you would turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and not verse 10, sorry, verse 11. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. This is uh, page 554 if you have one of the church Bibles. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So what this is saying is that God has put a desire for the eternal inside of us. Right? And understanding that about the basic of hum- basis of humanity is that we have a desire for the eternity, and yet we do not understand where it comes from or what it's supposed to be pointed towards. And some people would say it's like a God-shaped hole. I don't like that because of the fact that it's almost like the image of once you accept Jesus Christ, you're all set. And there's so much more to it than that. This goes beyond just accepting and praying a prayer. This is something deeper that God is doing in us and changing us. And, and more than even after salvation, there's more to it. He wants to satisfy us. And you're going to hear quotes that I just love that I've brought up recently. And you're gonna, I, the, I'm going to share a quote with you I just shared on November 18th, okay, because it's so good. And it's a quote from C.S. Lewis who is like the best, okay? So here's what C.S. Lewis said. And I just love this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. C.S. Lewis, everybody. I mean, what a great quote. Fantastic. What he's saying here is God designed this world, this universe, such that we have these desires inside of us. And not only that, the pleasures that he gives us here on earth, good pleasures that he gives us cannot satisfy the desires he's put inside of us. In fact, those pleasures are only intended to arouse that deeper desire for him. That doesn't mean the universe is a fraud. That doesn't mean that God had a bad design. It's because he loves us that he puts in us a desire that can only be satisfied in him. If he didn't love us, he would just give us desires that could all be satisfied with this world. But he loves us so much that he put in us a desire that can only find it's satisfaction in him. Another great quote is from Augustine. You made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. That is so good and so true. This is what it's about. We need to find our rest in him, the satisfaction in him, and until we do, we will ever, ever, ever be restless. And so you find not just Passages like Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, you also find a passage on the same page. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. If I point that desire towards money, it says if he has money, still he will not be satisfied. He who loves wealth will not be satisfied with his income. This also is a vanity. No matter what, money will not get the job done for us when it comes to satisfaction. It just won't. And then one of my favorite verses now, and this is one of newly favorite verse. I love this. Proverbs 27, verse 20. This is truly one of my new favorite verses. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied. And never satisfied are the eyes of man. (laughs) That's good. Sheol would have been what they saw as under the earth when somebody died, the place that they went. So I guess you could call it the grave. Abaddon would be death. He says, the grave death never satisfied. People keep dying, and the grave keeps drinking them in, right? There's two things that are guaranteed in life, death and taxes. Death, he says, will never be satisfied. Well, now, in Jesus Christ, of course, that's changed. But he says, in the same way that death and the grave are never satisfied, he says, the eyes of man are the exact same. Your eyes have been tied to death and the grave, in that no matter how much we might think something that we look at and see might satisfy us, it never, never, never will. Right? And if this verse is true of us, then when we look around and we say, This thing might satisfy me, it never will. And if this verse is true, then boy, every advertiser worth their salt should use it. And they do. I was talking to somebody who's graduating with a degree in psychology. And she was telling me, she's talking about her next steps and going for a master's degree. And I was asking, okay, so where, where do you go with that from psychology? And, and she said, well, there's all kinds of paths that I can take. And one of the ones that she's seriously considering is Advertising. Because as a a psychologist, you understand the way people work and what makes people tick. And as a result of that, you can sell them stuff. Right? So every advertiser worth their salt, if this verse is true, will use it to sell you something. So dissatisfaction becomes the currency of advertising. And over and over and over again, people are thoroughly dissatisfied. And we look around and we say, oh, if I only had that. So maybe Damon and Danielle Jones are by themselves a Tesla Roadster. They're peeling out of the parking lot. You're like, I need to get me a Tesla Roadster. So you go get yourself a Tesla Roadster. And you're peeling out of the parking lot too. But then you see Vic and Gail Jones got themselves a big truck. You're like, oh, man, I need to go get a big truck like them. And so then you go get a big truck because Vic and Gail Jones got a big truck. And then you see Kim Jones. She owns a, a, a car lot, and she's coming in every single day with a different car. And you're like, oh, i got to have a different car every single day. And all it is is every day you're keeping up with the Joneses. And there are so many Joneses at praise. And I would say Phil Jones, but he likes Ford trucks, and they're just dead on the side of the road. Love you, Phil. But there's so many Joneses to keep up with, right? And it will never, ever, 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 ever satisfy. But that doesn't stop the advertisers from telling you that it will. But it is just like drinking a diuretic in the desert when you're dehydrated. It leaves you more thirsty afterwards. So people are dissatisfied. They're dissatisfied with their job and their house, and their car and their spouse and their family and their friends and their church. The problem is not those things, friends. The problem is you have a hunger and you are using anesthesia to deaden it. All that does is shut down the metabolism. It doesn't deal with the deeper issue it is a desire for the lord and god does not offer you anesthesia he offers you satisfaction this is what he offers 73 times in the bible you find the word satisfy over 90 percent of them talk about the fact that it is only in god that we will find the satisfaction we are seeking almost all of them use the illustration of food because God offers you a banquet. Let me share with you what God offers you. Isaiah 55, verses 1 and 2. Oh, this is good. This is God's offer to you today. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come. Buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. This is the offer of God to satisfy And that's what we mentioned in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And this is, uh, we had a men's breakfast just a few weeks ago, and we mentioned Psalm 81.10. And, And even as we are fasting, we talked about, that during our fast can actually be a feast. And we use Psalm 81.10 where God says, he says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. What a promise that is to us. In our fasting, we can be feasting on him. And over and over and over again, in scripture, you see this picture of a feast of what God offers to us. Why is it always a feast? Because food is something that we find satisfaction in. And he says, just like that, I will provide you with real satisfaction. And so you find Luke chapter 14 Jesus says, what is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. Here's what it says in chapter 14, verse 15 of Luke. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. This is the invitation. Come to the feast. Join me at this feast. It's time for the wedding banquet. And yet, but they all alike began to make excuses. And the first said to him, I've bought a field. And I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Tell me. men. What does your wife, an ox, and a field have in common? Don't you dare answer that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Let me tell you <laughs> what they have in common. They are all good things, Amen. right? Proverbs 18, 22. It says, he who finds a wife finds something good, and not only that, He finds the favor of the Lord. This is a blessing from God. And yet, what is it that keeps them from accepting the invitation that the Lord makes? Come, join me and eat. It is good things. In fact, good things that are gifts from God keep them receiving this meal. And I think more often than not, it's not the deep, dark sins that keep us from receiving that kind of satisfaction that only the Lord gives us. It's not the things that, 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 that we hide away. It's the good gifts of God that distract us from the real treasure, which is Jesus Christ. And so those good gifts, we use them. We turn them into something they were never intended to be. We use them as, again, an anesthetic to put away the hunger. And this is what I mean by that, because this is, this is exactly what I mean. So about a year and a half ago, I felt like, you know what, i got to get away from Facebook. And so I did. Because I found in myself that what I would do is I would wake up every morning, and the first thing I would do is get on Facebook and I would sit there and I would scroll for like 30 minutes. What a waste of time that was for me. Because who cares what's going on in people's lives. Okay. <laughs> I got to deal with what's going on here first. But, but I realized I got to get away from that. And so I've been disciplined of late. And I've been so free from Facebook. So free. But then... Like, I'm, I'm getting disciplined, and I'm like, I can make myself do that for five minutes a day just to find out what's going on in people's lives. And it's so good. And I was delivered from that. And I was no longer getting up in the first thing, spending 30 minutes reading about what's happening in people's lives. But you know what I did? I started pulling out my phone every morning when I would first wake up and read ESPN. And I know what's going on in every footballer and basketballer and every team. In every sport. And the point at which I realized I was at rock bottom was when I started reading about soccer. (laughs) I don't even like the sport. And I'm sitting there on ESPN first thing in the morning. What's going on in Pablo blah, blah, blah's life right now? Who cares? It's soccer. So I'm like, oh God. All I've done is replace Facebook with ESPN. So I'm like, God, i got to get free of that. So I stopped looking at ESPN. You know what I did then? Legitimately, this this is recent too. I started pulling out my phone, and I'm popping on my financial apps. And I'm looking at what's going on in my investments. And I'm looking at how much is in each one of my bank accounts. All I've done is I've moved from Proverbs 27.20, the eyes of man are never satisfied, to Ecclesiastes 5.10, where the one who loves money will never be satisfied with money. I've just moved from one place to another, and all of it is just an anesthetic for my hunger for the Lord. He wants me to hunger and thirst after him, and he will provide satisfaction. And everything else just shuts my metabolism down. C.S. Lewis says it like this. (laughs) This is good. This is a part of the quote that I used this morning in our devotion. He said, If we consider the unblushing promises of reward. Okay. I only used part of this quote this morning. This first part. C.S. Lewis is the only one who could talk about a promise of God as if it could blush. Oh, that's good. The unblushing prom, not a tease. These promises are not teases. They have nothing to hide. They are fair and they are true and they are unblushing promises of reward. Oh, that's good. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. God put in us a desire for him, and we're trying to satisfy it with mud pies in a slum. When it can only be met in him. This is God's offer to us. He says, I want to give you satisfaction. And how do we find that? We hunger and we thirst for him. Stop using anesthesia to put away the sadness. And recognize that it can only be met in Jesus Christ. Yesterday I was... making steaks again and at the men's breakfast I shared my last experience with making steaks and I won't go back there so I didn't spend all my time snacking while I was making the steaks so that I wasn't hungry by the time the way the steaks got there that wasn't the issue so I recently bought a side of beef and as part of that I've been eating more steak and uh, I'd had a ribeye and had different kinds of steaks and so I got to Point where I wanted to share with my kids the filet mignons. They'd never had filet mignon. And I'm like, well, oh, let's make them some filet mignon. And so I made these things to perfection, and I didn't eat a thing while I was waiting for the food to be done. I didn't snack and ruin my appetite. I kept my appetite strong. And I made those filet mignons and I, I, I use a sous which Kevin Jenkins is the one who got me started on the sous Oh, you can make meat to perfection in a sous vide cooker. If you don't know about that, it's the only way you'll find true satisfaction. Is to buy one of those, and then you <laughs> and and you can buy them from me, or you can start selling them underneath me, and I'll get it. I'm just kidding. Okay, all right. All right. Bring bring back. Okay, so so I sous vide this thing to perfection. 125 degrees, friends. Normally I'd go to 129, but I did it 125 because it's flaming hot. And the problem with a sous vide cooker is after it comes out, you got to sear it. And so I bought something. And I told the men at the men's breakfast about this thing. And, and they were all like, what in the world are you talking about? I mentioned it to Kevin, who's a real cook. And I said, hey, man, I bought a all. And he went, oh. <laughs> and, and I want to show you what a all is. After you sous vide it, you use the all on it just to sear the outside of it. This was last night as I was making filet mignon. Hear the sizzle, friends. Hear the sizzle. really had no point in that besides to show you how cool I am (laughs) that I cook my meat with a (laughs) blowtorch she was videoing anyways so I sear these things to perfection and I'm hungry like I didn't snack I had my appetite I was so ready for it and yet did you see how small those things are I could have used like another eight ounces of steak. I left not satisfied, but more hungry. And my friends, today my desire for you is that this meal would just make you hungry for him. Oh, I don't want you to leave satisfied. I want you to leave hungry hungry, and thirsty after the Lord. I want you to be right in the middle of Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who finds refuge in him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who finds refuge in him. And I've heard people say, oh yeah, that's great, if everything's good, right? If everything from the Lord is obviously good, yes, taste and see that the Lord is good. But read the verse, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Have you ever seen somebody who when it's pouring rain out, running from building to building with their coat pulled up over their head, you're like, oh. Poor sap forgot their umbrella. You don't do anything to help them. You just watch them. (laughs) Poor sap. You know what I've never seen? Somebody doing that when it's a beautiful day out. I've never seen somebody doing that when the sun's out and the birds are chirping. There's a nice breeze in the air. You take refuge when there's a storm And we know exactly where David was when he wrote Psalm 34. It was a dark place. This is about the lowest of lows. It's 1 Samuel chapter 21. We know exactly where he was. Verse 10, it says that he is run from Saul, but nobody's gathered to him yet. Still dark. And the only place he can go is to Gath, which is where Goliath is from. So he goes to the home of his worst enemy. Finds refuge there. And yet they're intimidated by the fact that David is here among them. And so in order to save himself, he has to pretend to be insane. Scratch on the doorway. Gouge out of it. Drool down his beard. And while he is drooling down his beard... He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This has very little to do with circumstances. And so if you think, oh, if my circumstances were different, I'd be satisfied. If my situation was just a little bit different, I'd be good. The problem Is not your situation. The problem is not your circumstances. Because you can be hiding among your enemy, pretending to be insane, drooling down your beard and scratching the doorway and saying, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is a satisfaction that is independent of our circumstances. Independent of our situations. It can be found in him regardless. In fact, I'm convinced that if it's the gifts that keep us from experiencing it, then, then it's when those things are stripped away that we truly find this. It's when we can't find it in all the gifts that we find it in him and in him alone. And this is what fasting does. Fasting takes those things away and says, it is truly in you that I find my strength. It is truly in you that I find satisfaction for this hunger that I cannot find satisfaction for anywhere else. Great passage to read when you're fasting is John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000 by multiplying the bread and And yet they all eat the bread, and you know what he says? He heads off and goes up the mountain, and the disciples get in a boat, and they go out in the middle of the water, and Jesus comes out to them, walks on the water. Then they go over to the other side of the sea. When they get there, people realize that Jesus had left, and so they run around the sea, and they wait for him on the other side. You know what Jesus says to them? the reason why you are waiting for me is because I multiplied bread for you. You just want more bread. He said, the problem is you're stopping with the bread. In John chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He said that whole multiplying the bread thing and everybody's satisfied, that was supposed to point to me. And you're too focused on the gift that you forgot that I'm the one who gave it to you. I am the bread of life, he says. Come to me. Don't go back to the gift. Come to me. And this is God's offer to us. He says, stop focusing on the individual gifts that I give that are good gifts. Go past the gift and come to the one who gives it. Because I'm the only one who can satisfy you. And all those gifts, all they're designed to do is to make you realize that your ultimate hunger and thirst is for me. It says, Be connoisseurs of satisfaction, seek it in me and in me alone. So, oh, I want to be a pastor who hungers and thirsts for the Lord. I want us to be a church who hungers. And thirst for the Lord. Because when we find our satisfaction in Him. And in Him alone. Friends that's something we can share with others. But it always starts on the inside. And works its way outward. If you think the issue is outside of yourself. It's not. Your dissatisfaction is between you and God alone. Face it. Don't try to deaden it. This is real. And no place else can meet that but him and him alone. Not your circumstances, not your situations, not some other person. If you are looking for your wife to provide that for you, you've got it wrong If you're looking for your job to provide that for you, you've got it wrong. The eyes of man will never be satisfied. But accept in him and in him alone. May we be people who hunger and thirst after the right things. Would you stand with me today? I do thank you for braving the ice this morning. My desire for you is that you would leave this place hungry and thirsty for the one thing that can truly, truly, truly satisfy. And boy, that you would be more and more a connoisseur and recognize the things that you're using to try to deaden the hunger that is for him and him alone. Because it is only in him that we'll find that. Father, right now I thank you that in Jesus Christ we find the depths of what true satisfaction is. And this morning there may even be people in here who are fasting on a Sunday. Maybe right now their stomach is grumbling for bread. Oh God, in that grumble. I pray with everything inside of me that they would know that their ultimate desire is for you. And that stomach churning would churn their heart and that their spirit would be unsettled till they find in you what they are seeking. God, I thank you That in my own life, I have seen a change. And I knew Jesus Christ as my Savior. But God, you've changed me in the last year. More and more, I find such satisfaction in you. And oh God, even as I fast, I feast on your promises. Because they are not promises that blush or have something to hide. But they are promises that are true and are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So I feast on them. I don't just talk about them. It'd be like talking about a steak. All we did was we saw it. We talked about it. God, I eat those promises. I speak them to myself. I ingest them. And I I talk and I read and I meditate and I say, oh God, how does this look in my life? And oh Lord, I see your promises that say that when I do that, that what will happen is that I will no longer desire the sinful things of this earth. So Lord, may we more and more find our hunger after you. And more and more when we see, oh, maybe if I just have that thing, I'll be satisfied that that is a lie. It's a lie. Father, when we replace you in our daily lives, may we recognize that all that does is shut down our metabolism for you. Father, instead, may we find in you our heart's desire hunger and thirst pointed at you, may we find deep satisfaction as well. Thank you for it. I praise you. And I glorify you in the name of Jesus Christ. God, may we hunger for you. nothing we want more. But you and you alone today God. There's nothing we desire more but your presence this morning. And Father if that's not the case there are any in here who have not yet tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Give us a taste today. Give us a taste. May it change our lives. I ask. There's nothing we want. more. Nothing could come close. You and your presence.